If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, a horror video game podcast and proud member of Bloody Disgusting's Bloody FM podcast network. I'm your host, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bowen. And this week, after two weeks of celebrating iconic game anniversaries, we're taking a step back and taking a look at a spin-off outlier in a beloved survival horror series, that being Resident Evil's squad-based shooter Operation Raccoon City. We'll chat about what the game gets right in this massive swing for the series, and what doesn't quite connect as a result of the bravado that comes with a swing this drastically different from the series norm. So I think at this point in the show's history, we've made it quite clear that we are uh, somewhat fans of the Resident Evil series. Um, but I guess mm. before we speak specifically to this game, um, I'm just interested in general, you know, how do you feel about spinoffs, whether they are a beloved series or not? Um, you know, do you have any examples of ex- things that actually ended up working? I'm sure there's plenty of examples of spinoffs that haven't quite met series expectations. But uh, for you, generally speaking, how do you feel about them? Um, yeah, I think it's down to the application. Some things just work well. Um, but I think we did see in the post Call of Duty world a lot of games trying to jump on that bandwagon and adapt what they did in some way. And it doesn't always work. Um, usually within the same game though, so they got away with it, you know. So like, for instance, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood's multiplayer mode is like genuinely excellent, you know, like that. And it was a shame that they did away with all that. Um, but yeah, it's fine. It happened. Hell, I mean, one of the most successful games of all time now is Fortnite, and the reason it is is not because of the game it was, but the spin-off that they added to a battle royale mode. So it, it, it can go very, very well for you uh, to the point where you've got Eminem playing in your, <laughs> in your, your end of season event. But yeah, um, Resident Evil, though, as a series, um, has done a lot of spin-offs, a lot. And it's fair to say the hit rate's not good, <laughs> to, yeah, say, to be honest. Um, as long as the series has been around, I guess I shouldn't necessarily be surprised surprised at the amount of spinoffs, but I suppose I am consistently surprised by the amount of the variety of applications for Resident Evil, right? We've got mm. light gun games, and then we've got, you know, things that are a lot more action oriented, like the game we're going to chat about today. Um, but I was just thinking this week about, you know, the most random spinoffs that have almost no comparison to the series that they're actually being spun from stuff like Metal Gear Acid, which you know, if you mm. ever told me that I was going to enjoy a Metal Gear game that was card based, 
just after me playing the original trilogy for the first time, I would call you a liar, right? And I think even some weird things like Typing of the Dead, which is a completely foreign application to what I remember playing in the arcade, and yet it works because it takes the core concepts and runs with them in yeah. a way that, you know, is engaging perhaps in a very different kind of way, but it still, you know, really nails the sort of feel, I suppose. And, you know, that brings us to yeah. Operation Raccoon City. And I'm curious for you because you had actually played this before and I hadn't. So oh, yeah. for you, like what initially works about Operation Raccoon City for you in a way that kind of justifies uh, it being this spinoff of this beloved series? I think the hook they went with to begin with was the idea that you could uh, break canon effectively and have these um, different events happen. Like you can kill Leon Kennedy <laughs> and things like that. It, that was like a big selling point early on. It's like, but now you told us we can, it's not so much a surprise. <laughs> and yeah, the, the game isn't really about that in that way, but it did offer a chance to sort of look behind the scenes of certain events that had happened, you know, like the William Birkin, you know, outbreak, if you will, um, seeing it from the perspective of, you know, Umbrella's goons is, um, yeah. I mean, we'd seen a bit of it, obviously with Hunk and things like that, but this obviously it just expands upon it. So yeah, I, I like that idea. And, you know, multiplayer Resident Evil had been around before and, while it hadn't had the chance to do well in the likes of Outbreak, you know, it was still done. Um, but this is like the exact opposite uh, in that. But I, I will go no further on that uh, because <laughs> that's that's the whole other discussion. You know, for me, I was really intrigued by the concept of getting to play as the bad guys, right? Getting to have that change mm. of pace from the, I suppose, 50% of the time, the sort of like larger than life testosterone protagonists of the Resident Evil series, right? And so getting to see the other side of that and at the same time getting to see behind the scenes of events that had occurred in previous games, what with, like you'd already mentioned, you know, Hunk and uh, getting to go back to Resident Evil 2 and get to be dropped into that. Um, and then, of course, I think that leads into the aspect of this game that I think is probably the strongest um, is the fact that it feels like it's paying a homage to the series as a whole by having this sort of mm. monster mash approach, right? So if you're going to go into these levels, which, you know, it's the squad based shooter, you get to pick one of, I believe, six classes, and you essentially are just running through hordes of AI controlled enemies, whether they are zombies, whether they're other mercenary squads, whether they are, you know, these, um, I suppose, the sort of tentpole uh, bosses from the throughout the Resident Evil's history, that being stuff like Tyrant, Nemesis. Mm. Um, and then, of course, you get some of the sort of favorites, if you will. Uh, you get Lickers, you get the Cerberuses, you get Hunters, and of course, Zombies. And, you know, time and time again, I was just taken with the fact that it was like, there are so many ridiculous set pieces in this. And one of them early on, mm. you're like in, I think it's Raccoon City Town Hall, and it's all on fire and you're trying to run away. And then you know, all of a sudden a hundred liquors come out of nowhere and you basically just have to mow through hordes of liquors and zombies at the same time. And, you know, it's so foreign to the direction of Resident Evil typically, obviously, mm. but at the same time, like there is this great sort of arcade mashup feel to this game that, you know, once you can get over the fact that this is very clearly not trying to be your traditional Resident Evil experience, I ended up having fun with this game in a way that I was not necessarily expecting I would because, you know, what's anything I do when I hear about a game that 
I'm either aware of but never played. It's like I go back and I do a little bit of research about it. And to say this game was not well received uh, would be an understatement, I think, for the most part. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in my sort of research of it and reading some of the reviews, everything was, for the most part, getting hung up on the fact that this doesn't play like Resident Evil. And it's like, well, yeah, within the first third, the fact that there are classes like speaks to the idea this is not going to play like a typical Resident Evil game. Uh, and that's never the intention of it. So for me to be able to kind of like get past that, accept that this is going to be something that is nothing like what I've played in the series previously, um, mm. I ended up having fun with it in these, I suppose, short bursts. Uh, I'd run through, you know, a level here and a level there in between playing other things. But, you know, it really was the amount of variety, I think, in terms of the monsters you're fighting. And at the same time, having this mashup of, you know, the AI controlled mercenaries and then having the AI controlled undead and then them getting into it as well. And then, you know, your squad comes to this kind of like epic battle, if you will, in these pretty like large environments that make for these, I suppose, chaotic, but somewhat memorable uh, firefights. Yeah, I mean, it's just on all the time. Yeah, pretty much. It's like the, the downtime is very small. And you are just going from fight to fight to fight. It's eerily similar to the structure of Aliens Colonial Marines in terms of a multiplayer shooter. Um, and probably has the same sort of saving grace, I suppose, in that, you know, with people, it's more interesting. Obviously, uh, again, probably because of the AI. Um, we talked about this yes, <laughs> la- you know, last week with um, Left 4 Dead, and, you know, how it's not aged greatly, but it's still better than most of the things around. Um, but here's like a clear example of how bad it can be, you know. <laughs> it's like uh, because uh, they they don't do much apart from get in trouble, and yeah, you got to revive them if they do, and just like yeah, I mean, again, it seems pointless to get too hung up on it at this point, just because you know, it, it is you know, eleven years old now, so it, it wasn't exactly um, you know cutting edge when it came out but i suppose beyond like the fact that it's not very resident evil in a lot of ways um to which there are worse offenders since um it is the other part of it that, of what it isn't that i think also got people a bit riled up because this was made by the makers of socom you know the beloved sort of playstation uh shooter series which again was another one of those early online games that didn't really get to grow an audience um and by the time online gaming really got big it died you know sort six games who made it have since gone the way of the dodo as well so yeah it was quite a good mix in that sense i suppose <laughs> but you know you have two companies that both you know dabbled in an online in the playstation 2 era and you know had cult followings because of that but it's not like it's very much like SOCOM either. Mm. You know, the, the SOCOM games are better at what they do than this is at that. So for me, that was always the trade-off. It was like, it's not very good at being a Resident Evil game. <laughs> and it's not very good at being a SOCOM game. Yeah. And coming back to it, one thing that's sort of really added to the pile a bit for me is the fact that, and now most of this isn't even canon anymore. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> they basically readjusted the whole thing. So... That was always the great hook and the thing that made it worth persevering with was 
even if you take out like the alternate timeline stuff of choosing the sending, which now in retrospect really does just seem a bit arbitrary, like we we didn't want to stick to an ending you already knew sort of thing. But yeah, I I think that was a good fun part of it that you could just sort of explore these other sides to the story that you already knew, which is something I always liked about um S. D. Perry's novelizations of the games. And is that they had these extra bits and pieces that weren't necessarily in the game or and couldn't be described as well. Um, and yeah, so there was always that. It's just like I said, it, as a game, it's very frustrating. Then and while not obviously as bad as I said as the, the truly the worst thing this franchise has ever put out, which is Umbrella Corp. Which is you know, a multiplayer Resident Evil game that really doesn't have an idea what Resident Evil is supposed to be, um, and again was another one chasing uh, a particular multiplayer dragon that it never was. But yeah, it, it's. I wanted to. I really did want to sort of come into this game with thinking, oh, yeah, there's loads we could find about this. It might it might be a revelation to play this um, years later. But I think most of the things that. I felt about it before are pretty much just true now and some of the good points are uh, not quite as good as they used to be. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the type of thing where you can't not see this being pitched as a live service game at every um, sort of point, I think, with this and every feature, right? The fact that, you know, the only real replayability of this game is the fact that, you know, there's that grinding loot system basically where it's like you're mm. going to grind for XP, which then can be spent on weapon upgrades or buying new guns and then buying perks for specific classes. And I largely felt that all of the classes that I played kind of all played the same outside of their one special ability, right? They mm. don't really follow the typical sort of class based design, which is that everybody plays differently in a unique way. I think from, you know, whether it's combat, whether it's um, through defensive objects, whether it's just like movement throughout environments. But, you know, going from assault and then demolition, which were the two that I played the most, it was like outside of that special ability, they, these play exactly the same. And, you know, at the same time, that's not great because that further highlights my frustration with the gameplay, which, you know, I'm not going to say that I didn't have fun with this game and I'll elaborate on that a little bit more in a moment. But, I think for me, like, and I can't pin down whether it was the fact that I'm playing the um, the digital version on the Xbox, so it's not obviously a native 360 disc on 360, um, or if it's the fact that this game always has to be connected to the internet, why there was some movements that have lag to them. I always felt like sometimes mm -hmm. button press and then action was like a third of a second delayed sometimes, so I couldn't get this kind of handle on navigating the environments in a way that didn't feel clunky or didn't feel as responsive mm. as it should have been. Like your character has the ability to dive and, you know, whenever I try to do that to like miss an attack or avoid something, it never worked because again, there was that slight delay that always made it be like, okay, so I just threw myself on the ground and then immediately got hit by what I was trying to avoid. Um, and at the same time, that kind of plays into the fact that this is, very much a cover-based shooter from the mid, you know, 2010s. And the gameplay doesn't really hold up to the standard that, you know, anybody that's played Gears of War would have, mm -hmm. right? So yes. basically the fact that if you you can only latch on to certain environments with the same 
um, I suppose, frequency with which you would assume based off just, you know, playing the game and being like, oh, there's a barrier. I'll just run up to that. Sometimes you would be awkwardly still like half crouching. So you'd still get shot. And then sometimes you wouldn't even Uh. latch onto it at all, which it's like when firefights are designed around that and that doesn't work, that makes it a lot more fucking difficult of a game than it actually should be. Oh, yeah, doesn't it just? And one of those things you were saying about, you know, the classes and not really being different, it's like, it comes down, like, even the weapons, yeah. you know, nobody's, <laughs> yeah, some come, you know, equipped with a certain weapon, but you don't have to stick with it. And it's like, okay, that's fine. And, you know, at worst, I suppose, that would be like, oh, well, you pick a weapon that works. But there's no punch. No. I no. mean, we've talked about this before. Good shotgun. <laughs> good game. <laughs> Terrible shotgun, mm. absolutely. It One of the worst. Feels maybe. like you. I mean, it, it, it's literally like you've just got like a pipe and you're just blowing stuff through it. Like it just there's no kick to it at all. And what's more remarkable, remarkable about what you were saying there with how it lags and feels odd, is it's got a, a frames per second boost on Xbox as well oh, and God. auto HDR, <laughs> and both don't seem to do it any favors because. Yeah. Yeah, the way HDR makes it so bloody dark. You know, like, like, and because areas aren't, you don't have a torch most of the time, and areas are really dark, you, you just feel like you're swinging into nothing and you don't know what's going on. And it's just so frustrating. And hand to hand combat is sometimes better than shooting a shotgun at point blank range. And just, and then, and sorry to pick on the shotgun, but it doesn't. The spread is non-existent. Like that, you, that's why I said it. it's like just shooting something out of a pipe because it's more like a bolt-action rifle than a, you know, a shotgun, and even then, not very good one of those. But and ironically, the, the pistol that everyone comes equipped with is probably handier than most of the main weapons, which is just daft. But yeah, there's no real balance as well between distance and damage. Um, it's either like no, almost nothing, or doesn't hit them. The hitboxes are terrible. Yeah, that doesn't make it fun because you get those really hectic moments and you can't scarper out of it in the way that you do in the best sort of co-op shooters where you you, know, you skinny your teeth, blow away several enemies at once and make it out alive. Here, it's like you, you just can get overwhelmed you know, like that, but because of the lack of physicality and like feedback, you don't really understand what's happening to you a lot of the time because it's so dark and you're not getting the, the, the feedback from any sort of rumble. Yeah, it just feels like nothing, which is really odd because like early Resident Evil never had that. You know, and still, it, it could feel the weight of it. I suppose the tank controls being a big part of that, but it's just, yeah, it feels, I suppose your Gears is one you mentioned, but also it feels like a bad Uncharted, you know, at times, you know, in terms of like where the cover system's like arbitrary. And like, the, but the fact that, yeah, cover doesn't really mean anything is like just, I mean, if you shoot over the top, even like blind firing, you get hit. It's like, that's, blind fire is supposed to be so you don't get hit. That's the whole point. <laughs> like that. I know that you don't have to sort of, you know, keep with convention and maybe do it a different way where covers only a temporary reprieve but it's not like you have a little while where it's safe and then you know it, it starts to become dangerous it literally just 
you could pop behind it, think you see it, and be hit half a second later. So it's like, why? Why bother? Yeah. Um, <laughs> do we get into the camera as well? I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily times. have issues with the camera, but please. Well, the, the first real instant. I had with it beyond like the darkness of certain areas and close proximity. Oh, I had to boost the gamma meaning. all the way up, <laughs> basically. Yeah. But like when you had that first Birkin encounter and you could do the running and shooting, running and shooting. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, the camera at one point did not want to turn away. It's like, but they're telling me I should run, and then I turn around after I'd done a certain amount of damage to find out that the rest of the team were all the way up the other end of the corridor. It's like you told me I couldn't do it. It's like it's like. It's like Oh, it just silly, and I don't know that we could go on forever. I think this seems to be going down a bit of a tunnel, but <laughs> already. Well, I you know to take it back to the weapons for a second. I totally agree in terms of um, them lacking punch and just generally not being satisfying to use to the degree that I was only looking at the mag, the size of the mag for weapons, which inevitably I just went with a machine gun every single time because it's got you know three hundred shots in it. So basically just running around and spraying things because I knew I'd need like 30 bullets probably to kill one enemy at this point because very early on, and what you said about the pistol is totally true. You know, the pistol might as well be a sniper rifle to a certain degree if you compare (laughs) it to like the SMG or anything in that kind of category. Um, So yeah, like when you're kind of just hiding behind cover, I would always just use a pistol and kind of either blind fire, which somehow the pistol is still pretty accurate. Uh, in blind fire yeah. mode, but at the same time, like it has the most range almost of any weapon, even of assault rifles, which obviously yeah. makes no sense. Um, but I think that <laughs> it's a mistake also that every single class can use every single gun. Um, Cause again, that comes back to my issue of they don't feel distinctly different in a way that you want classes to have. Mm. They might as well have just said, this is a squad based shooter and to hell with having the idea of classes, just have it be, you know, you've got this badass umbrella, super soldier, buy these abilities, play it how you want, which is basically what it is. But I think it just overall, like it's not only kind of convoluted by having them broken up as classes, but it also sets the game yeah. up in a way that I don't know. It, it feels like the replayability should be from the fun factor, you know, something like left for dead. Obviously we talked about last week coming back to the game constantly because of how fun it is, not because there's this grindy mm-hmm. nature of getting rewards or unlocking equipment. And with this game, it solely seems to be like, yeah, you're going to run through these again, not for those arbitrary choices at the end of a campaign or a mission, but so you can unlock the next gun. But that in of itself yeah. isn't an incentive because every single assault rifle that I used felt like the one that I used before it to the degree where I was like, well, there's any notion that I would replay a level because I don't really give a shit if I can get this special gun after this kind of stock standard one. Um, but yeah, like the shotgun also, the fact that you could be face to face with a, even if it's just a normal zombie or a liquor and they're almost like unfazed by getting shot in the face by that. And the fact that there's yeah. very little, I think not only is there very little punch to weapons, but the feedback from enemies is near yeah. non-existent. And, you know, I think the only instance where there is some feedback is when you have one of those boss encounters, which unfortunately every single boss encounter is like shoot them in the face until they stumble backwards briefly. That's kind of the extent of it. <laughs> Um, and that ends up obviously being very bullet spongy, which is not satisfying, which is not fun. And if anything, right. it makes, you know, uh, earlier I was saying how much I appreciated that this felt like this monster mash. 
at the same time, it's not always the best um, sort of depiction of these titans of the survival horror franchise. I mean, they look like old Kenner toys, yeah. <laughs> you know, like they've been melted slightly yeah. in the sun. It's like, it's just... That first time we see the William Burke, and I know it's not fair because you know a really fucking detailed modern mm. version exists, but it just looks so ugly. You know, yeah. like even go back to the classic Birkin design, and even then, you know, in polygons as blocky as that, it still looks memorable mm. like that. This one, it does just sit in that middle ground where it's like we've recreated a thing that was made in lower detail, but it looks awful. You know, it just. It's the hair, mainly, I think. I don't know. I know a lot of engines sort of struggled with hair. Uh, and Resident Evil's generally been quite good with it. So it was a bit odd to see it. But yeah, Birkin's hair. Fucking hell. I don't... Just like, that's the real monster. You know, <laughs> he's just... He does not look fun. Um, I think Nemesis looks I, worse. Nemesis, this, the, oh, his God. outfit... Just it, like you said, it looks completely melt, like the leather's melted onto him, and then he's kind of just got this like this gray tannish head that protrudes from the top of it, and then you know yeah. it kind of just like revolves in a circle. Basically, I'm thinking about that first boss encounter with him, which you know I don't think it's necessarily a fun boss encounter, but I did like the fact that there was this boss encounter occurring w- during this massive chaotic uh, combat mm-hmm. set piece. You know, I don't know. After a while, I was getting kind of a kick out of the fact of just how chaotic everything was and how I knew I couldn't really rely on my squad to do anything. So I've let them be basically distracting all the enemy AI while I went after the objective, which kind of bit me in the ass because then it ended up being me fighting a boss that's meant for a squad of (laughs) a squad of four to five people all at once, which then made that section take fucking forever. But at the same time, like reveling in that chaos and kind of taking a break from the boss encounter, going and killing some guys so I can go get ammo and then coming back to that. Like, I don't know. It was very reminiscent of old school arcade games where it's like, let's just Mm. keep throwing all this noise at you and see if it makes you have to eat up a few more quarters. But in that chaos, I don't know. There's some fun, uh, (laughs) there's some fun sort of, uh, I suppose, seeing how much damage I can do in one run kind of thing. Yeah. And there is where the crunch comes in, where it's like you can tell this is a game that is supposed to be with other people in the hope that they will pick up the slack because, as I said, the AI just will not do it. You know, like that, that the amount of times they just run headlong into things that other were. It's a section not long after, you know, the first time you come up against the sort of rival soldier team, and yeah, two of them in my team just ran straight into it. <laughs> Grenade got ran into a grenade, did not move away from it, died, and so it was just me and this other AI, this one AI left. It was just, and it was difficult to go and revive them. So at the same time, I was thinking, what fucking good? Yeah, do? what's the purpose? But you, you, but you need them yeah. at the same time. Um, miraculously, two people turned up when I was playing to actually play. So I was like, wow. I I can understand it was like the anniversary or something, but you know it's eleven years since this came out. But yeah, that that was um impressive to see that there are still diehard um <laughs> Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City fans out there playing it today, and that I got lucky to be playing at the exact same time. I mean, Christ, there's games that came out this year that I still can't get a match on after half an hour. So like, <laughs> I couldn't believe every single here. time I played, I got at least one human that joined my game, yeah. and I was like. 
I'm doing this for a podcast research, podcast research. What the hell are you doing here? Are you doing it for the same reason or are you just doing it for fun? Because there were people that had crazy, you know, because you obviously level up with all the XP. Yeah. And I think I got to, I don't know, 15 or 20 or something. And there were people that had it maxed out all the way to like, I don't know, whatever it is, like 99 or mm. something. And I was like, fucking hell, I could not imagine putting that many hours into this game just based off of playing it for the last week on and off. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the time I played Resident Evil 5 again and came back to it and had co-op turned on to help and I got teamed up with a guy who just had exploited the shit out <laughs> of the game at that point and he just like chucking all these great weapons and he it, just, the rest of that run was just like untouchable. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I died once like, in that entire run because he was just like... And I had that with one teammate where he was just like superly overpowered, and but he was going off and doing everything on his own. Mm. So I was like, I was like, okay, I get it. You can do it on your own, fine. <laughs> like, but yeah, yeah. But he also put all your time into playing Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City. So there you go. You, you know what you're doing. Um, but yeah, I, I think I did come across someone who seemed quite high level, but I don't know how because <laughs> they didn't seem to know how what the game they were playing. It's like. I haven't played this in, in over a decade, but I kind of knew what I was doing. Why don't you? <laughs> it's like, but yeah, you know, I, I came to the same assumption. Maybe they just decided, hey, we'll do that now. We'll, we'll go. We'll I'll hop on this game I haven't played for years now. Um, and why not? It was like three quid in the sale, so I suppose maybe that's where uh, people came back to it. But yeah, I mean, that was the biggest surprise I think for me was the fact that there were still people playing it. I know it has its uh, apologists, if you will, and that's fine. Everyone's can love whatever they want in, in game terms. Um, as long as it's not a relic or that's just nah, that, that's just not good at anything it does. Yeah, but for a long time, this was that game. I mean, I just I hated it. I, anything that messed with my precious Resident Evil Two was always going to get a kicking. And uh, I think he did. He did that, you know, quite badly uh, at times. I think I'm a little more mellow about that these days because of yeah, you know, we had a remake and that changed things, and that was, but it was still good. And we've also gone past that time period where Resident Evil games were just getting increasingly shit, basically, uh, especially the spin-offs. Um, yeah, so I got to admire Capcom's sort of steadfast thing about doing multiplayer Resident Evil and never sticking it or staying with it ever like that this game included you know just the amount of time games they've put out that are some sort of multiplayer variant and it's just the first sign, first sign of trouble they're like well not our problem <laughs> oh, I mean Reverse where did that go good lord <laughs> I would play this over that to be fair but <laughs> yeah I mean yeah I mean this is definitely a better more cohesive version of uh that uh, thing and i suppose to give us you know competitive stuff like mercenaries mm. uh but yeah what can you do what can you do <laughs> uh well i want to unpack a little bit more about sort of resident evil's history with multiplayer perhaps what they could learn in that regard and uh implement in the future and i want to unpack one aspect of gameplay um that stood out to me in a way that was Kind of surprising in a series first for me, I believe. So we'll unpack that and more right after this break. And we are back from our break. And the one aspect of 
gameplay that I didn't mention in the first half of the show was the fact that the player themselves can become infected, which was really surprising. I was not anticipating that just because of the, you know, the normal nature of Resident Evil games. You're getting bit constantly. You're getting grabbed constantly. It makes it a little difficult to try, kind of uh, channel that movie magic, right? The idea that, oh, well, mm. if you get bit once, it's all over type of thing. A little bit more difficult uh, in a game that you know lasts for more than 30 minutes or something like that. So to see that be a, a factor of the game itself here, um, especially when it's a multiplayer squad-based game, the fact that you kind of have to keep your uh, allies in your peripheral vision to see whether or not, you know, they're about to start changing and have to maintain that and whatnot. And the fact that the player can do away with that by tracking down a, um, uh, antiviral spray basically mm -hmm. to then, you know, uninfect themselves, which, you know, you earlier, you said that there weren't many situations that were kind of like by the skin of your teeth, just based on, you know, how shoddy gameplay can be. But there were several times where I got bit and it was right down to the wire where I was about to turn and then attack my teammates and I basically had to run around like a madman, just spraying enemies constantly, trying to find that one viral pickup, uh, which, mm -hmm. if anything, doesn't really speak to there being a strategy to prevent turning past that. Um, but at the same time, I thought that created, again, in an experience that is largely chaotic, mindless action, that added, you know, an extra sort of, um, I suppose, pressure, if you will, that it's like, oh, OK, I need to keep the squad mates in my line of sight in case one of them starts to turn. At the same time, I need to keep a track on, you know, if I have that antiviral spray or where I could look around environments to pick one up. Mm. Yeah, that was like one of the things when they were first sort of previewing and describing the game. I was intrigued by it because it was like, oh, it's that outbreak thing again. You know, like uh, having someone's corpse come, you know, get up and come back after you. That's great. You know, I like that when the zombie games do that. Um yeah again does not work as advertised i think it's the yeah, best way to buy it. <laughs> it's like um yeah one of those things isn't it i think where it's a team-based game and yet it doesn't really like to work like one a lot of the time i think the infection thing yeah it's like only you can really help yourself in most cases it doesn't really go beyond that um and while that would be like great retribution to sort of feast on your teammates, unfortunately, if you're the only human teammate, what's that going to do? <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's like, you know, game over, baby. That, that's it. Um, so, yeah, again, it's just another one of the reasons why it feels so... While the idea feels like it was something that had been gestating for a while, it's another one of those things that feels like, we'll do it this way, because... Game X is doing it this way, like that, and lo and behold, I think it's quite telling that you know we just come from playing and talking about Left 4 Dead, you know, uh, which really didn't help the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> real. Like, but, but yeah, you know, it it is a great example of like the games that have tried to copy that, you know, like that. I think because you know the developers were trying to make it a bit like. You know, the, the SOCOM games, but also like Resident Evil, but also like Left 4 Dead. And uh, it, it made it, yeah, and Gears of War, as you said, it did make it a bit of a hodgepodge where nothing was really committed to in terms of like, what what are we going to be today, sort of thing. It's like, to be honest, if you were to put 90% of that game with a different coat of paint on, you wouldn't know it was Resident Evil 
you know, like that. I mean, beyond the monster, you know, the fact that it has the monsters and where it's set, it's like there's nothing about it that's like, oh, you're in iconic location Y and Z and like that. It's just a lot of like very samey corridors and buildings and arenas that are very obviously designed for having a, a fight rather than, you know, architecturally sound uh, as they should be. <laughs> Well, there's no uh, more glaring example of that than when you go back to, you know, the stomping grounds of Resident Evil 2, the RPD station, right? Which, to your point, right, it lacks all of the flavor and texture of that original station in favor of being this just wide open area that has maybe one central landmark in it, which is like a statue. And then you've got that, um, like the main desk at the very front, and that's it. It lacks all of the sort of nuances of the design that made that original, you know, lobby in the building itself. Um, one of the most iconic yeah. scenes in all of games. Yeah. It just feels too big. You know, it's like too big and too empty. Yeah. I think that's a common theme again, as you said, it's um, just, there's a lot of that in the level design. I think it just has an air of like brick, Lego brick sort of, organization of like this stacks on top of this and this connects to this and that's it which is fine you know that's that can work but i think it's done like that first and then sort of painted over after and you know we go back to how everything looked character wise and environment wise it's no different and i think it's really just poor texture work in general for the game that just just gives everything that sort of toddler's first painting sort of uh, look to you know <laughs> um, I mean it would be really cool if like the darkness meant anything you know like uh, in terms of like tension but it's just unwieldy and frustrating and, and it does come down to that poor design because it's hard to discern shapes of any kind in, in the darkness until they're right on top of you that's annoying as fuck you know it really is I, I just cannot just unpleasant to play i think i think it's the general consensus even with people this time whereas like yeah you can say oh okay you know people make it better um but then there's people who need to be sort of in on the same page in the same boat sort of thing strangers who have been playing it for god knows how long to be as high a level as they are who are just basically playing it by themselves really um don't props to that that one guy who did literally come back into like a burning area when he didn't need to just to rescue me I mean to get himself killed two seconds later (laughs) (laughs) even the game punishes uh, good Samaritans in that regard (laughs) exactly yeah and he had the skill to do it so but it's just because the game throws stuff at you in such random areas I mean that here's a really good comparison point Resident Evil Revelations the 3DS version had to come out by now and it has a set piece which is features like fuckloads of hunters coming after you and you have to shoot your way out. Far more intense and well executed than the liquor scene here that is similar. Where, again, the bad combat and the terrible weapons do not make it feel in any way intense. And, and as you said, that sort of visual feedback of what bullets do doesn't exist. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's like hitting paper targets. That's all it is. Uh, and uh, it doesn't make f- which is saying something because when you think back to revelations um and being on the hardware it was you know enemies would sort of dissolve and disappear but it still felt like you're in a dangerous fight because it 
still felt traditionally Resident Evil, even though it was more action orientated as a game, and you know the franchise was becoming more like that. Um, but that's probably the closest comparison in terms of like gameplay that I could think the series had ever had prior to this, and yeah, did it better. I think it's just because it was stripped down to be a Resident Evil experience uh, first and foremost. Yeah, and you know something I've been thinking about since you mentioned it was the notion that teamwork is not really emphasized in a meaningful way, other than to distract the AI momentarily while you backpedal to reload or go complete this or that objective. Which, you know, if anything, is probably the game's greatest sin in terms of selling it as this cooperative experience, but other than, you know, having somebody pick you up or revive you or whatever, it's like, what's the purpose of actually working together as a squad? Um, and, you know, other than the medic who it's like, yeah, you can run over and spray a larger proximity of people. Okay, that's cool. But at the same time, there's health and shit everywhere. Like the maps are littered to an almost comical degree where, you know, the only time I ever found it difficult was when, you know, I ran, I pissed through ammo and I wasn't hitting anything. Cause again, the guns are so goddamn accurate <laughs> at times, unless you're using a machine gun and, you know, you can shoot 300 rounds in one go at something. Um, but I guess, you know, we've mentioned several failed, uh, attempts now that Resident Evil has had over the years with multiplayer. Right. And it's a shame because we've seen examples of it working before with the outbreak series, but that came out at a time when, you know, getting the online connectivity piece for the PlayStation was just not vi as viable as it would be if it was released nowadays. So I guess, you know, for my money, I would love to see Resident Evil at some point return to an outbreak style, right? Something that emphasizes teamwork. And, you know, that might be because each of those characters that you could control an outbreak had their own special abilities, had their own loadouts, but also the fact that everyone is limited to a certain inventory size. So you have to have certain yeah. people carrying certain resources at different times throughout a level and whatnot. And, you know, at the same time, what allowed Outbreak, I think, to work better than any other multiplayer example of the Resident Evil series is the fact that it felt and played like traditional Resident Evil. Granted, there were definitely, yeah. you know, more monsters and set pieces. And, you know, of course, you fight a giant elephant that zombified at one point. Um, but that was an aspect that I thought that game really nailed in that it jumps the shark in terms of what you expect, the different uses for the T-virus and whatnot. And that's something that this game sort of attempts to try to do a little bit in terms of it not being canon, but it does it in such a superficial way that at the end of the day is not all that interesting. It's like, hey, what if you could kill Leon Kennedy? It's like, hey, I think you just proved why that's not interesting or why that doesn't have a payoff that you yeah. thought it did. Um, so for you, like, what kind of direction would you want to see in a Resident Evil multiplayer uh, experience? I mean, it's difficult um, because technically it's been done in the sort of you know, Dead by Daylight-esque style thing because you know, not only is there that in Dead by Daylight, but you know, Resistance did it to a degree and was quite interesting in how it did it. Um, but again, Capcom's commitment to actually continuing with anything multiplayer beyond like a month, it would be nice. You know, if, if you're going to do it, put the time and commitment in, believe in what you're doing, but they just seem to look at success as being, well, no, this was a failure. Let's just 
burn this and we'll keep what we got left, which is fine. I, I get it. At least we're getting you know, the single player stuff and it's working out nicely and all that. But yeah, it'd be nice if we just, if for once, just once. But Resistance was another one where it felt like it existed because they knew how people would react to how short Nemesis was, you know, Resident Evil 3. And you know, I, I think that that's what made that package worse, if anything, because they ditched half the package after a while. You know, after bigging up the, its inclusion, of like, oh, it includes this, it's got that. It felt like a real, funnily enough, it felt like a throwback to the kind of era we're talking about, you know, where single player games would just get you know some sort of multiplayer mode stapled onto it for, because pre-owned games god we can't have those you know, <laughs> like it's terrible and now they got around that by uh, just making everything aggressively digital but they, <laughs> they won in the end um but, <laughs> but yeah it, it's i don't know really as much as i'd like an outbreak style game i don't know how they get to it at this point just to really make it work i actually think my favorite multiplayer experiences that even remind me of resi aren't resi anymore like projects on void is like more traditionally what i want from a multiplayer zombie game i mean that would be fucking hardcore but you know, before that we had stuff like daisy which you know as prickly as that could be to get into really did have a bit of that and i don't know yeah, I, I suppose that's it. I don't need it in the traditional sense. There's a better version of this to make, I think, quite simply. I think you could do this and uh, make it this sort of spin-off-y sort of thing where, oh, it's taking key events and playing like parallel stories to the ones you've already played and, and you're the, the clean-up crew. But the problem is they haven't really finished uh, telling all that story in their retelling of that story uh, with the remakes and such. So, yeah, you, you kind of have to get there first. But I, I think Capcom might not touch that kind of game for a while, especially after Reverse, but I've never seen a game from them, just like a multiplayer game, where it didn't even get to be launched properly before they decided, yep, nope, we're just going to put that back in the cupboard and pretend it doesn't exist sort of thing. And... Uh, it's pretty much what they've done, let's be honest. I mean, that, not even for like Capcom or Resident Evil, but I mean like a multiplayer game in general. I feel like the fact that mm. that game basically announced, released, and then disappeared, it felt like that was all one fell swoop kind of thing. Um, mm. And I understand the direction of that game, but at the same time, like if you want to kind of change the perception of Resident Evil multiplayer experiences that's probably about the worst direction that you could have taken it. I understand from a business standpoint yeah. why that structure might make sense initially, but like, again, especially if you're not going to have the follow through and support that something like that requires that again, might be one of the most surprising sort of brief. I wouldn't even call it a life. I would just say <laughs> a brief stint, if you will, of an online experience. Yeah. And you know, I, what I was thinking about also is something along the lines of, maybe a more truncated version of Outbreak. I'm not even saying like up to four people thinking about Resident Evil Zero, right? Having just two people yeah. and the ways in which you could play around with, you know, not even just combat, but like puzzle solving, dropping two people in two different parts of a mansion, so to speak, and then having them have to communicate and like do puzzle solving in a way. I forget what the name of the game is. There's a puzzle, first person puzzle game where you're in like a castle at two opposite ends 
and you basically are in constant communication with your teammate and you guys are attempting to navigate and puzzle solve. And I think there are some possibilities that Resident Evil could play around with from the puzzle solving aspect with mm. cooperation. Um, I just, you know, I think you're right that Capcom's not going to touch multiplayer for a very, very long time after Versus, but um, it's the type of thing where it's like, I still see potential there. Yeah. Yeah, it is there. But like I said, you then now have to convince people that you're not going to just dump it, which showed that they've, they've, they've shown it so many times that they're not going to follow through and, and do something with it. So I, I think with Reverse, the thing was, they obviously planned the whole idea with that game to be like, okay, we'll have it as a celebration of you know, the franchise's anniversary and all like that. But you know, I think they got to a certain point in development and realized this isn't going to work like that. And then they kind of just, well, we've got to do something with it. We've kind of announced it now. And um, yeah, I, I think they just tried to give it as little push as possible after that and just uh, quietly you know, shove it away. Uh, which, yeah, fair enough. I know we we hear it in like the world of movies when they shit can entire movies just for a tax break. But there it's more of, I get it, you know, it's their thing, their choice. If they want to dump it before it gets out to the world to really disappoint people properly, uh, fine. Yeah, like that. And, and I think that's the careful way they've been going in recent years is to try and not get that negative feedback that a lot of the spin-offs had given it. Because, you know, as much as people piss about you know, on Resident Evil 5 and 6, you know, for where they went wrong, it wasn't really just about that. It was about every spin-off that came out pretty much with the exception of the Revelations games, just did not click in the slightest. They were all really great examples of doing a bad job of communicating Resident Evil. You know, this was key in, you know, and that's always been the case. You know, right back to like the Gun Survivor sort of games, they Capcom tried things at the wrong time. I think you know, like that. I just think sometimes. They're too far behind. Sometimes they're too far ahead. Like, um, Survivor would have worked years later brilliantly with certain things. And it, I think it showed because um, you think of those sort of light gun style games like the Umbrella Chronicles, which were good fun you know, um, for what they were. And funnily enough, did uh, the whole telling Resident Evil stories in a different fashion better than um, yeah, this. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, it can be done. There are, there are ways about it. We did have like a brief obsession with horror light gun games at one point. Yeah, for real. In 2010s. Yeah, so what can you say? You know, I think that is really like Capcom's next conquest, I think, is to address that whole spin-off thing. And, you know, while Revelations and Revelation 2 are spin-offs, they are more traditionally Resident Evil than some of the mainline ones at this point. So I wouldn't really call them that the same way. I'm talking about, you know, Really, you've had this run from like this game, Umbrella or uh, you know, Resistance, which I think is one of the better ones. It's just it never got the chance to shape into what it wants to be. I mean, how many live service games do we see that start out terrible or wonky, shape themselves into something better over time, and voila, there they are. I know it's difficult, but again, if you're going to put it out there, you know you're going to have competition, make it work. Like that, but I think it's very telling that you know, with all the multiplayer stuff Resi they planned, Dead by Daylight's had like a second 
Resident Evil pack you know, <laughs> yeah. since then to pretty much suggest where that's going you know, right. at that point. Well, it's a bummer. Yeah, like you said, kind of with Capcom, clearly the first time they come up against opposition or it's not expanding the way that they wanted to, they're kind of like, yeah, you know, we'll just try again later. And it's like, well, there won't be a later if you keep abandoning these projects before they actually have time to get a real semblance of a community and whatnot. Especially when you have a series like Resident Evil, which is obviously crazy successful, has a massive fandom behind it, but you're presenting it in a format that previously has not really worked. Um, and if anything, like this format specifically, they hadn't done before, um, you know, multiplayer, we've already mentioned they had some uh, some examples of dabbling in that with the series. But it's like this is completely unproven. So the fact that you went to all this trouble to get this made yeah. and then we're just like, yeah, you know, didn't work out. And it seems like they did that within the first two weeks of its launch almost <laughs> um, is really unfortunately telling perhaps of just how they view features and how they can be kind of reactionary to the market and dump resources into something that in the long run nobody's asking for and that you clearly don't believe in yourself if you're going to be abandoning it this quickly yes yeah uh, i think it's um i suppose if we could have one sort of benefit out of this conversation i think you know or maybe more than one um i think it's a nice sort of palate cleanser before like we get back into the you know Goggling on the the undercarriage of all the games we loved from this year. So to speak. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, for the next two weeks, it's going to be a, a real regular love fest here on Safe Room with our uh, game of the year coverage kicking off and whatnot. Um, and I think that's a perfect way to kind of round us out. And that next week will be uh, part one of our game of the year coverage, and that will be us highlighting our personal picks ten through six. And then the following week, we'll of course go from five through one. Um, in addition to doing a separate Horror Bites Game of the Year episode. So, yeah, I think that's the best way to describe this weekend. A regular palate cleanser right before we have this massive 10-course uh, feast of uh, the best delectable delights for the year. Yeah, you put it, you put it a little less crudely. Than I <laughs> 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 Don't quite know why that came to my mind first, to be honest, for the games. <laughs> the yin and the yang yeah, to yeah. Games of the Year coverage, you know? That's it, yeah. The the the, the sugar and the vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm very excited to not only find out what your first half of game of the year picks look like because mine again, we say it every year, right? It's like it's this yeah. thing where I set out and I'm like, oh, it's easy. This has been a great year for games. And then I look at my list and I'm like, cool. I get to dwindle it down from 20. And I'm sure over the next <laughs> week and a half or two weeks or whatever, it's going to be like, okay, I have to play this still and this still. And oh, I left that yeah. off my list. And then my 20 grows to 30. And then I'm just like stressing myself out about something that I told myself would be, oh, you know, it's just you know pretty easy. What did you enjoy the yeah. most? But that is, again, always <laughs> such a daunting fucking task to tackle at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, by the time this episode goes out, it'll be in a few days before Resident Evil 4 gets its VR mode. So it's going to... Oh, yeah. That could that could that could paint that in a whole new light for me, for instance, or yeah, like as other games played recently that I've sort of ticked off and gone, oh, okay, yeah, this could shift things about a bit. But Christ, I I've really not even looked into like compiling that list yet because it's just like if I do that, I'm gonna feel like bad for the games I committed to, and then say no, sorry, out you go, sort of thing. But uh, <laughs> there are a lot to say the least, and I think it's more about picking the ones I want to be up there and not wanting to miss out on certain gems. It, it's difficult because yeah, 
you know, score things obviously here and like that and I think thankfully since you know, now I don't really do reviews as often it's um so I don't have to worry about so much and like why'd you put this on your list if you only get seven out of ten like in blah 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 site is like but yeah it's gonna be uh fun to see how we uh differ because yeah you, last year it was um very surprisingly different on both sides we, we both sort of found out oh yeah i didn't know about that oh yeah it's like uh, so yeah i think it's been stonking good uh, i think the notable mentions will be um a book in themselves at this point i made a point too not to tell you about the stuff that i've been playing really over the last two weeks i've tweeted about it periodically but there's been a couple yeah. other things that have uh come to me quite late that uh, we haven't had a chance to chat about so i'm curious to see if you got to them but at the same time um i think we'll have another <laughs> round of uh surprises in store for one another exactly and everyone else i'm sure so <laughs> we may have words from other people on their favorites as yes well, lucky, so. yep we'll do the uh, our kind of i suppose signature send-off for the year as well where we'll have a couple of our uh, guests chiming in with their favorite games of the year as well but uh that's going to do it for us this week and as always it's a pleasure chatting horror with you for safe room until the next time thank you for listening to another episode of safe room if you enjoy the show please rate us on itunes and follow us on twitter at safe room pod for show updates you can follow our twitter account for horror bites also at horror bites underscore sr you can join our discord channel safe room podcast to chat with us and other horror fans about the genre we all love and last but not least you can email us at saferoompod at gmail.com if you'd like to share your thoughts on a game we're going to cover. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next Monday.